Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cardigans and Conversation, the Penyan Public Library podcast. This is Alex, your adult services librarian. And I'm Bethany, not related <laughs> to the library, but always here to help. Library friend and 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 advisor and volunteer, Bethany. Library adjacent, that's, that's right. me. Very good. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Um, so September, we're here in September. It's it's fall. Um, fall is in the air. Um, we're getting ready for all of our great uh, September events, which I'll go over a little bit for you. We were going to have Sarah here like usual, um, but she couldn't uh, She couldn't stay today. So uh, I'll mention a few things about youth services, too, although it is a pretty light month for youth services. Um, she's got a lot of uh, conference time and some vacation time coming up. So good Well for deserved. Her, right? Absolutely. Especially with uh, summer reading, summer learning having just ended, um, which was another very successful um, program for the youth services this summer. Sarah and Melissa both deserve uh, a lot of rest. And <laughs> a lot fall. of credit. Absolutely. I'm always amazed by what they do. So good Me job, too. you guys. <laughs> um, but how are you, Bethany? What's going on? Oh, you know, I'm good. We are um, ramping up for our third issue of our literary magazine, yes. Gloss and Vine. So exciting. All things Cuca Lake. Um, by the time you hear this, we will have closed for submissions for mm -hmm. our issue. And that means that you and I get to start reading everything and picking stuff. That's the best part. It is the best part. We and have a lot of fun. We do. And so we'll be reading all of your poems and your articles, your memoirs, and your stories and choosing them for our third issue, which will be out this fall. What were submissions like this year? I know we haven't looked at them yet, but uh, similar amounts to past yeah, years? Yeah, I think similar to last year, uh, maybe a little bit more than last year and definitely a lot more than our first yeah. year. And they come in in like big batches at the very beginning <laughs> and then they trickle in and then they'll flood in here on the last week. So, And our poets are allowed to submit up to five poems and many of them took advantage of that. Oh, so Very good. Yeah, we're going to have a lot to pick from. So. Great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's a wealth, a wealth of art from here in, uh, in Cuca Lake region. That's right. Awesome. Well, let me talk a little bit about what we've got coming up in September. Um, and I'll start with the youth services stuff, since I said it's a little bit lighter this year than, uh, or this month than it usually is. Um, looks like we've got a lot of the regular things that you know and love from uh, Sarah and Melissa in the youth services department. We've got our story times on Wednesday mornings at 10 and 11 a.m., so, you know, pick the time that works for you and your family. Um, same kind of idea with baby story time. That's on Thursdays all throughout the month at 10 a.m. Uh, also, baby cafes linked up with baby story time. We've got people from Yates County Public Health coming in to, uh, to help you all things baby. <laughs> uh, the always fun toddler dance party uh, on Monday, September 9th at 9.30. It's a great time for your little ones to get their wiggles out. Um, so that's for uh, kids ages five and under, and uh, adults are encouraged to participate with their kids in that. I always need to get my wiggles out. I know. I feel as adults, we're not encouraged to get our wiggles out frequently enough. It's true. I've got some wiggles. Um, but some of the things that look like they're coming up new and specific for September, we've got, you know, it's back to school time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that can be a drag in some cases. In other ways, it's fun. You see your friends again. And the library does things like having a back to school pizza party. So definitely stop by the library on September 9th after that first day of school and uh, visit us at 315 for a pizza party. Yum. And we're going to do some journaling for teens and tweens, so a little Ooh. writing kind of thing for, nice. the, for the youth crowd on September 10th at 2.30. So all these kind of after-school things for the, the teen and tween crowds. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the journaling thing sounds good. Sounds like um, we might have some future... 
Cuca writers come out of out of that. That would be excellent. Um, yeah. Always great ideas coming from Sarah and Melissa. And then also on September 19th, I don't know, did you ever play with Legos? Oh my gosh, of course. Well, you know, we didn't have those kits that they have now. It's like you just got a bucket full of Legos, dumped them on the floor and saw what happened. And magic comes from it. And I think think that's more or less the situation with the library Lego collection. Some of them might have started out as collections, but I think it's pretty much just a big bucket of primary colors. Nice. We have the Lego challenge table on September 19th where uh, it's just an opportunity to stretch your brain. Uh, every month, uh, there's going to be a challenge that Sarah and Melissa set up on a table and just stop in any time in the afternoon or evening and and see if you can meet the challenge. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a STEAM activity, mm-hmm. science, technology, art, and math, for those not in the know. So, uh, yeah. So... Uh, it doesn't sound like a light month because there's definitely things happening every week. Um, so I don't know if this is really the vacation that uh, <laughs> Sarah and Melissa have earned, but, uh, you know, got to keep going. Huh? That's right. <laughs> and then, of course, there's all my stuff because I never take a vacation. Um, <laughs> but I don't have summer learning either, so it balances out. That's not true anyway. I take lots of vacations. You do. Yeah. You balance work and play, and yeah. that's important in life. It is important. I think it's necessary. Um so, for the adults, I've got my French language basics are continuing. Oui, oui. We've got to see you at one of those one of these days. I know. I know you speak I know. French. I used to speak French, and I need to get back at it. Yeah. So, I promise I will come to one of these. Well, but, you know, there's the class version. I'm using air quotes right now. We do a class. It's super informal, so I hesitate to use the word class. But that's in opposition to the table de conversation, okay. which are just show up at the wine bar, Wine Street mm. Wine Bar, our buddies over there, and just speak French. It's not formal at all. There's no lesson. It's just do what you can, listen, you know, throw in your, your deux centimes when you have a chance, <laughs> um, and enjoy a glass of wine or a soft drink or whatever. So French is on Wednesday, September 11th and 25th, and the table de conversation is on September 18th. Great. So those will be fun. One thing I'm really excited about... Um, September is, um, it includes National Voter Registration Day. Ooh, nice. Uh, As you know, we're leading up to the voting time of year. Um, You know, we vote in November, as always. And it's an off year, but every election is important. And so every year uh, we celebrate National Voter Registration Day to make sure everybody is registered to vote and they know the importance of the vote. And I'm going to be having a program, one of, part of my Civics 101 series, which has been taking a little break lately, but it's coming back. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the state of the vote. Where I'm going to be presenting data on um, voter turnout numbers and voter registration rates and um, laws and proposed laws that affect who can vote and how and when and where. Um, so if you're curious about this kind of thing, sort of a top-down view of uh, the state of affairs in terms of voting in America today, that might be for you. Bring a friend. Um, bring bring anybody. <laughs> Maybe not so even friends. I have a couple questions. Yeah. So are you going to be looking at that data at the national, state, and local levels, or what? How granular are you going to get? Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna mainly look at the national level, but I might dig in to a little pieces that are relevant to. You know, Yates County, um, New York State kind of thing. That's great. Um, it's hard to get too granular to because you know there's so much there's so much variation. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people aren't aware of the the long view, and I mm. think it's important to get that. And then um, if people have questions, we can always dig into things. Uh, but I just hope that uh, that people take away that 
it's not a given. We have to keep fighting for our right to vote uh, every year, every election cycle, take advantage of it. That's right. I mean, we just, we women just have only had the right to vote for about 100 years. That's right. So my other question is, will you have voter registration forms available that night? That's a great question. And as of right now, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) But uh, check our website for the the, website. the description of the event. Okay. If I'm able to, I will. Um, and if not, certainly the library has in the past had voter registration forms at other points in the, in the process. And we can all, you know, we're right across the parking lot from the county building, True. DMV, and all the places where you can very uh, conveniently get yourself registered. Wonderful. And then uh, what do we got coming up? We already talked a little bit about Bluff and Vine, but we've also got Cuca Rights happening. We do have Cuca Rights. Um, we are continuing our Fiction 101 course, I guess, mm-hmm. our year-long course on Fiction 101. And we are going to do Show versus Tell. That's on Saturday, September 14th, and that's going to be at 1 o'clock here at the library. And Show Don't Tell, if if you aren't familiar with that, it's it's a technique that we use so that our readers can experience actions, thoughts, and words and feelings through the way we describe them rather than us telling them that they're happening. What do you mean by that? Oh, I wish you hadn't asked me that. No, I'm (laughs) just kidding. Um, So an example of telling you something would be if I said, Alex was furious. Frequently. Yes, I'm just (laughs) telling you that. But if I wanted to show you that Alex was furious, I could say something like, Alex's face turned red and he slammed his fist Mm. on the desk. So it's much more dramatic, and it uh, it conveys the same information. It's a more interesting way of saying it. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's an important uh, technique. Uh, it seems kind of obvious saying it that way, um, but I think a lot of young writers tend to uh, overlook the opportunities they have to use that. Absolutely, and we can look at a lot of examples like that. Like, if you wanted to express that your character was having any type of emotion, mm-hmm. you could just tell the reader that, but they're going to get a lot more out of it if you show them instead. So that's what Absolutely. we'll practice. And that, again, is Saturday, September 14th at 1 o'clock here at the library. Great. Yeah, I'm always looking forward to our Cuca Rights sessions. Me too. Even, I get, I get uh, Cuca Rights and Bluff and Vine mixed up. I Related, <laughs> but separate, and, and all very good and important, and I'm waving my hands around to <laughs> illustrate One that. leads to the other, and then back again, <laughs> and we're all just... And now I'm waving my hands. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we could show you that, we would, and not instead of telling you, but this is a podcast. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I did want to mention, I've got even more programs happening this month. I can't mention them all, but I did want to mention one more thing since it's sort of a new ongoing program that I'm trying to get uh, get going. Um, last month, well, say two months ago in July, I started uh, the PYPL Sustainability Solutions Program. Mm-hmm. That's going to be every other month, which means that this month, September, we've got another session of that. And I always aim for it to be right at the end of the month, sort of a capstone to um, the month. Mm-hmm. And in September, we are having uh, Nancy Jacobson of the Citizens Climate Lobby come for a presentation called Grapes, Wine, and Climate Change. Ooh. Now, uh, when I, I met her a couple of months ago when she gave a different presentation, and I asked her, hey, if you want to come back and talk more about sustainability and climate change, what topic would you be interested in? And she immediately said, well, we're, we're studying 
the effects of climate change on grapes and wine. You know, mm. she's from the Finger Lakes. She's from right here, just like the rest of us. And um, the effect of climate change on on our um, our tourism industry and on the wine industry uh, is is going to be pretty significant. So sure. this is going to be a really interesting conversation, I think, um, just to give you a little taste. Of, of what she's planning to talk about. The description of the uh, event includes uh, the fact that according to the fourth national climate assessment, the temperature in the Northeast is projected to be more than 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than during previous area, eras wow. by 2035. So this means warmer winters, more rainfall, more intense weather, um, and all those things are going to have an impact on this this uh, grape industry mm-hmm. that we're being recognized for nationally and internationally, and it's something we want to preserve. Uh, and so this will be a way of talking about um, how we can do that and what we can do together. That'll be great. I'm excited for that. Yeah. So you know what else September is? What is it? It is the month of Banned Books Week. Oh, Banned Books. Tell me more. Yeah, so um, Banned Books Week is a library recognition that we uh, we we hold every year mm-hmm. in September obviously mm-hmm. uh, and I believe this year it's September 22nd through the 29th or whatever that seven day period is and Band Books Week is a time when we uh, address the issue of censorship in primarily books but across all media okay um, so I wrote a little something uh, you know I, I always have thoughts that swirl around in my head during this time of year mm-hmm. um, I used to have a, bl- a library blog back before I worked here and I had banned books week posts on that and so uh, here I am transitioning to <laughs> the podcast uh, universe yeah so I have written a little something um, that I'd like to share if that's okay I would love to hear it all right so it gets a little serious okay okay It's Banned Books Week again, the period I've facetiously referred to in the past as the high holy days of librarianship, filled with rituals, remembrances, and traditions. The release of the annual Most Banned list, the additions to the annals of the most banned of all time, the careful parsing of the difference between bans and challenges, followed by the wholesale lumping of them all together in social media posts and passive programs and even podcasts. These things are all right and good, and having fun and being a little imprecise is okay during this week, when our goal is just to shine a light on the issue of censorship and the ways it continues in 21st century America. But it feels wrong to be too flip or glib this year, because the literary world has suffered a loss that reverberates down through the lists of both the must-read books of the American experience and the most banned books in our mixed-up, well-meaning, totally inside-out society. We lost Toni Morrison. Toni Morrison wrote 11 novels. Three of them have achieved the honor of landing on the ALA's list of the 100 most challenged books of all time, Beloved, The Bluest Eye, and Song of Solomon. I can't say this with any authority, I can't cite a source, but I feel like Morrison was probably proud of that record. Not proud that there were places and times where her books weren't read, but I can imagine the pride she felt that her books touched a nerve, that they rankled, that they made someone somewhere uncomfortable. Important truths are often difficult to bear. The sad reality is that beyond these statistics, it's certain that many challenges to her work have gone unreported and unremarked, and it's possible that many people have been denied access to her work. None of us should be proud about that. In their obituary for Morrison, NPR noted that Morrison's work focused on African-American life and culture, and she dominated an industry in which depictions of black life were often limited and rooted in stereotype. 
her masterwork Beloved was a once upon a time based in bloody truth. Its real life inspiration was Margaret Garner, a woman who escaped slavery and attempted to kill herself and her children, whose two-year-old daughter died, rather than be captured and returned to a plantation. I think we can begin to see where some of the discomfort comes from. That's no reason to try to ban a book. It's all the reason to embrace it and ensure that every American reads it. The American Library Association tells us that more than half of challenged or banned books are from non-white authors, of which Morrison was one. The weight of censorship is falling heaviest on those voices who already have the hardest time being heard. And it's not for any want of quality. Morrison herself was a Nobel laureate. The annals of the band include such recognized luminaries as Alice Walker, Khaled Hosseini, Maya Angelou, Salman Rushdie, and Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Like Morrison's, the work of all these authors makes some people uncomfortable. This Band Books Week, I urge you to think of Toni Morrison and these other writers, and consider what it is about what they have to say that bothers a vocal and powerful minority of our fellow citizens. I further urge you to pick up some of their work and read it for yourself. That's your right and your privilege. That's great. Do you, do you have a favorite band book? Oh, boy. I wish you hadn't asked me that. Oh. No, um, there are so many. I mean, any book you can think of that has had any sort of cultural impact has probably had some challenge uh, somewhere in some library or some school. Harry Potter has mm. been challenged uh, numerous times. Um, I mean, Toni Morrison's books are, are a great example. Beloved was probably one of the favorite books of mine that I read in, in college. Mm-hmm, mine too. Um, really powerful and just unfortunate that people see something in it that they want to suppress. <laughs> Does the library have a history of banning books that you know of? Not that I know of. It certainly hasn't happened since I've been working here. Um, and, you know, a lot of people might say, you know, books don't really get banned uh, in this day and age. And to a large degree, that's true in the fact that I can't think of a ban that's happened anywhere in the Southern Tier Library system. Certainly, that's a positive. We should be grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But you just have to look up, you know, ALA statistics uh, to know that it is happening. Um, There are parts of the country where it's more likely to happen. Um, And I do also want to make sure we know that there is a difference between challenged and banned. A challenge Mm -hmm. is actually, you know, that's a victory because that means someone challenged it and and the librarians or the teachers or whoever involved came back and and successfully defended against oh, it. Oh, okay. So bans usually happen very rarely. Mm-hmm. Something is actually removed and they're usually sort of provisionally banned, taken out of a classroom but left in the school library, that kind of thing. Mm. And some might say, well, that's okay, although to me that's still limiting access and a book that maybe a whole classroom of kids would have read is now relegated to just a shelf where maybe a few kids over time will read it, so it's not as good. So we definitely want to uh, be clear that um, bans are rare but still happen, and whatever effect they have, if they keep even one reader who could have benefited from them from accessing that book, then that's... uh, that is of grave concern to me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why librarians are here, and we appreciate you for it. Thank you. <laughs> so that's September. Yeah. So should we do a little sneak preview of the best month of the year? Oh, my gosh. Which month is that? That would be October. October. <laughs> yes, that's our favorite month. It is our favorite why month. Why is it our favorite month? Because we love everything to do with the fall season, Halloween, apple cider, cider donuts, fall leaves, <laughs> pumpkin boots i don't know you just name it <laughs> yeah. i love it but mostly halloween yes halloween is definitely the the emperor of 
of October. And I'm sure there's going to be a ton of great um, Halloween-themed programming here at the library. There almost certainly will be, of which I know none yet. I know one. I, I know two. Okay. Let you... me say the less interesting one okay. first, and okay. then you can talk about the more interesting one. I actually did decide that the uh, the graphic novel book club will be reading the works of Rick Geary, who writes the uh, a series called A Treasury of Victorian Murder. Oh, I love anything to do yes. with murder. So that'll be really fun. There's like 12 titles scattered across the library system. You can get any of them by this Rick Geary guy, and we'll talk. It's like the Lizzie Borden murder, Ooh. and like H.H. Holmes and his murder house in Chicago. Yeah, things I love like that, that guy. Yeah, yeah totally, right? <laughs> so that was that's my my thing. That that's pretty about. cool. What's your October well, thing? Mine is um, Kuka writes going in our fourth year mm-hmm. of the haunted inkwell. <laughs> <laughs> that is when we get together near Halloween and we do a prompt writing night that is all about the spooky and the terrifying, mm-hmm. the dark and the macabre. It is the best night of all. It is the best night. <laughs> so we hope you'll join us. And uh, so and the haunted inkwell is October 29th mm-hmm. and that's a Tuesday mm-hmm. and it is at 6 p.m. and it's going to get you all geared up and ready for your trick-or-treating mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you're going to do on the 31st. So. Mm, so fun. We've had such a great time with the haunted inkwell in the past three years. Um, big crowds, small crowds, crowds that came in enthusiastic, crowds that had to be kind of convinced. They're always convinced. They are. And it might be the cider donuts and the cider, <laughs> yes. but it's probably our amazing prompts. So, so. Um, we would love to see you there. And beware uh, skeletons playing the xylophone on their own rib cages. The worst of all. Yeah. I mean, the best. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's September and a little bit of October. And we will meet again for this uh, for October and we'll learn even more spooktacular library secrets. Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Bethany. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Bye.